Well, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This month, I've been reading a new book by one of my favorite authors, Rob Bell. It's his new book called Everything is Spiritual, Who We Are and What We're Doing Here. And among the many stories he tells in the book is a story about what he calls the now what prayer. The now what prayer. He tells the story about coming down with viral meningitis in his senior year in college. And he had to stay in the hospital for some time, and he knew that graduation was approaching and that many of the plans he had, including the dream of his college band hitting it big, just were not going to happen. And he writes, I lay there in that hospital bed completely lost. I kept repeating those two words to no one in particular. Now what? He goes on, I realize now that those two words were forming a prayer. Now what? In a visceral way, prayer is naming what matters to you, and now what is what mattered to me. I had all this energy and passion and desire to give myself to something, and now I had nothing. It was a gut-wrenching question, that now what? A full-body, desperate plea. It was angry and impotent and honest. I had no plan B. Now what was all I could muster up? He continues, It's at the end of ourselves that new futures open up. Our plans fall apart. Our strength isn't enough. Our cleverness fails us. Now what? That's universal. You cry out like that, and you're joining a long line of souls from across the ages. But that now what? That now what prayer, that changed me. There was a world of confusion and longing and frustration trapped in my chest, and that now what prayer dragged it all out into the open. It gave language to that black hole of despair. I was angry that the one thing that I had ever really made me feel like I had something unique to contribute was being taken away from me, and there was nothing I could do about it. That prayer gave all that rage and grief and lost words. Day after day in that hospital bed, wondering what I was going to do with the rest of my life, repeating those two words. Bell got better and returned to school, but the prayer stayed with him. He says it gradually morphed from an anguished, bitter cry to a question, a quest, a line of inquiry. It's like those words grew into the question they'd always been. I started paying attention to my life in new ways. I started looking for clues and direction. I started listening more. And in that newfound openness to the now what, he quite unexpectedly discovered his call to ministry. I think many of us find ourselves praying the now what prayer these days. Now what with the coronavirus? Now what with work? Now what with our relationships? Now what with our politics? Now what when we open up the news? As it was for Rob Bell, it is often a desperate question that we are asking and praying. But the more that we pray it, the more it can open us up to something new, something more. And a new path opens up before us moving from the now what of despair and resignation to a now what of hope 
and anticipation. When we find Jacob in the book of Genesis today, he is asking that same question, now what? In the previous chapter, Jacob had shrewdly stolen his family's birthright from his older brother Esau, to whom that birthright rightly belonged. His father Isaac was old and blind, and so Jacob tricked him into blessing him rather than Esau. Needless to say, Esau was not happy, and so his parents sent Jacob away to protect him from his angry older brother. Jacob got what he wanted, but he had to flee from his family and found himself on his own. Now what? On his way to Haran, he finds a place to sleep under the stars, and he has a dream. He dreams this famous vision of Jacob's ladder, with angels ascending and descending. And then God says to him, Know that I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob awoke and declared, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. And he built an altar with the stone he had used for a pillow to memorialize this encounter with God. He named the place Bethel, that is, the house of God. Jacob's dream led to a new hope and confidence that God would be with him even as he found himself in exile from his family. Eventually, Jacob would become synonymous with Israel like his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham and his son Joseph would. He became a great leader of God's people. And so the now what of regret and loneliness was transformed to the now what of possibility and new life, not just for Jacob, but for the whole people of God. In our first reading for Acts, from Acts, we catch up with the disciples at the moment of Pentecost, the birth of the church. Jesus had died and risen again. He walked with them for 50 days and ascended back into heaven. He promised to send them the Holy Spirit, but they didn't know what that meant. They were waiting and waiting, asking, now what? And then the Holy Spirit falls on them like tongues of fire, and they begin to proclaim the story of Jesus in other languages, and Peter, the chief disciples, preaches this sermon about Jesus. And then borrowing from the prophet Joel says that amidst tumultuous times, God will pour out God's spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. The disciples who had been hiding out in the upper room wondering, now what? became the leaders that Jesus formed and shaped them to be and shared the gospel with the world and founded the church so that thousands were baptized that day. And so time and again, this question, which begins in uncertainty and despair, becomes our mantra, our prayer, and leads us, Bell says, to a curiosity about life and to where our roads lead. He says, you don't know. That's your starting point. You're coming from a place of openness, driven by a conviction that there's something more, something beyond you, something else out there. And this curiosity, he says, is the antidote to despair. He says despair is the spiritual disease of believing that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. Nothing new. The future is simply an unbroken string of todays, one after another. 
But curiosity, curiosity disrupts despair, insisting that tomorrow will not be a repeat of today. Curiosity, curiosity whispers to you, you're just getting started. Here at church, we find ourselves this year asking and praying the now what prayer. We were already entering into a time of transition and discernment prior to the pandemic. And now we have the pandemic to manage and respond to as well. It has been a year of asking, now what? It is a question that we have all asked at one time or another in various aspects of our lives, in exasperation, exhaustion, desperation, grief, or fear. But what I, what I love about what Rob Bell is saying is that the more that we ask that question, the more that we make that question into our prayer, the more it becomes something to help us look beyond our current circumstance, to discover new possibilities, to know that God is in this place, even this place. And as God did to Jacob, God promises to be with us and keep us wherever we go, no matter what happens. To trust in the words of the prophet Jeremiah, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. As I shared in my sermon last week about the promised land, this is the place, the headspace and the heart space that I want to inhabit for myself. Now what as a possibility rather than as a lament. And I want us to share in that together as a congregation. And part of that looking to the future is really our stewardship and supporting that future with the gifts of our time, talents, and treasure. Stewardship is about our giving, which is our response to God's generosity, to be certain. But fundamentally, stewardship is about looking ahead to the future with hope as we pledge ourselves to one another for the year to come. This year, our stewardship theme is discerning God's dream, living bravely into God's future. We are in a time of discernment with this transition, and we are discerning together God's dream for us at UDLC, even as we share our dreams for the church. We are discerning the future that God desires for us, even as we share our own visions for the future. These are moments to dream, to look ahead, to move from now what to now what. I love that Jacob's revelation came in the context of a dream, a time when some of our most creative ideas arise, when we are rested, when we feel safe and let our guard down, that liminal time when we are open to possibility and suggestion. I love that Peter tells us in Acts that even in difficult times, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. This is a time for us to dream, not just to manage the moment, which we need to do and do well, but to dream beyond this moment in trust and hope and expectation about all that God is doing and will do in our midst and give ourselves to that hope that promise, and that vision. In our stewardship campaign over the coming weeks, we are going to be asking you, what is your dream for UDLC? And as Commitment Sunday, which is November 22nd, approaches, 
we will ask you to support those dreams and God's dream in your pledges for the coming year. But in the meantime, we want to hear from all of you. What is your dream for our church? And I invite you this morning, since we have the ability to do it and wouldn't otherwise, to share your dreams in the YouTube chat. Share as many dreams as you want, and we'll have more opportunities to share those dreams in the, day ahead, in the days ahead. But for now and for finally, I want to invite you this week and in the weeks to come to pray that simple yet profound prayer of possibility. Now what? And dream big, because we're just getting started. Amen.